Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, today I sit down with my friend, Dr. Tina Wismer from the ASPCA Poison Control Center, and we talk about the spike in houseplant-related toxicity. Why is it happening? How big is the spike? What is it coming from? What are the houseplants? What should we say to pet owners? What do we need to know for when these cases walk in the door? Guys, we get into it fast and furious. Just get it done. Give you some pearls. It'll make you smarter on your way to work. Isn't that what we're all here for? Guys, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, Dr. Tina Wismer. Thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Always. I I always love it. Um, I like to stay up to date in my toxins and uh, and just be prepared for what might walk in the door. So thanks for being here. Thank you. I wanted to ask you about a trend in medicine over the pandemic. I've been sort of reflecting back on the pandemic and the way that life is a little bit different now than it was before. And, um, and it's, I, just, I think it's a fascinating exercise. House plant toxicosis is a, uh, is a, growing, is a growing trend. We are seeing more pets, dogs and cats, that are coming in after ingesting exotic plants. First of all, let me just ask you, um, is that true? And, uh, and how do we know that? Yeah, it's certainly true. Um, looking at our numbers um, from 2019 um, through end of 2020, we had almost 10,000 more plant-related calls in 2020 than we did in 2019. So a huge increase in our number of calls. And just... Real quick, I mean, I'm assuming that people picked up indoor gardening as a pandemic thing. Is that is that the theory? Certainly. We saw a lot of people who decided that, okay, I can't go outside. I can't do things. Let's bring the outside in. Well, I, um, I, I live that. I, uh, I, I have tomatoes for the first time ever, uh, and my dog is an absolute monster and just, just eats. I haven't gotten to eat any of the tomatoes. Uh, I haven't gotten to eat any of the tomatoes. I had a bunch of tomatoes. My dog ate them all. And I planted for one for some reason I planted one strawberry plant, uh, thinking that it would have lot. It would spread or it have lot. It did not. It made exactly one strawberry and a squirrel ate it. And that's been my entire gardening experience from the pandemic. I am I am out of I am out of home gardening based on this on this one year. So okay, so okay, so so um so indoor so indoor plants. What are the most common problem solving uh, house plants that we're seeing? Right. So probably the um, biggest popularity during the pandemic was seen in succulents. And when we think about succulents, it's a pretty huge group of plants. Um, But the nice thing about them is they're really easy to take care of, right? They need a little bit of sun. You water them every few weeks, right? They're really low maintenance. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately, they're also not very toxic. So when we did have dogs and cats getting into them, you can see some mild stomach upset, but fortunately that's about it. Okay. So lots of concern calls. Um, it, do you do anything for those? So when you get that phone call and they say, oh, my, my cat or dog ate, ate succulent, anything you're going to do other than just tell them to watch it and let, let us know if you need supportive GI care? Right. We may dilute with a little bit of milk or water if they're not vomiting yet. And then if they do start vomiting, 
We'll have the owners take away food and water for an hour or so. If they continue to vomit through that, then they get to come and see you at the veterinary clinic. Talk to me a little bit about the dilution with milk or water. Like, like how, how, what do you, what exactly do you say to pet owners? I, I imagine a gallon of milk and a small cat <laughs> and, and just, uh, you know, hilarity or horror ensuing. Exactly. So we do give recommendations for how much to give. And typically it's like a milliliter per pound. So a teaspoon of milk per five pounds of animal. Okay, is the is the goal to induce vomiting? I'm assuming that that's not where we're going with this. We just say just give them this amount, and 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 do they expect something to happen, or we just tell them just just give it and then and then just wait and see what what goes? Yeah, like what are the expectations in the outcomes? Sure. So with dilution, the expectation is to decrease the irritation to the stomach. Okay. So a lot of these plants, like they're succulent plants. Um, may contain, um, like they have white sap, which is irritating and somewhat related to soap compounds. Okay. So if you think about your mother washes your mouth out with soap, right? you could see some you know, gagging and uh, vomiting, but it's not expected to be serious. So by diluting that out with some milk, we can hopefully stop you from having vomiting. Great. I found that uh, when my mouth was washed out with soap, adding water uh, did, just made it worse. It was just more bubbles, uh, more more prolonged flavor. But no, I'm with you. Okay, cool. Uh, so succulents, um, very, very common, not a big deal. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're coming out the other side pretty well. Are there more dangerous house plants that we're seeing increases in? Yes. Um, probably one of the most dangerous house plants are actually these cute little potted sago or cycad palms, um, these actually can cause liver failure in both dogs and cats. They typically were used outside in the warm areas of the country, right? Florida, Texas. Um, But you can now go to places like Ikea or Home Depot or Lowe's and buy these little potted sago palms. So yeah, so when I used to when I used to live in Florida, sago palm toxicity was something that we really worried about and we and we and we definitely saw it. Help me understand. So, uh, a, so a potted sago. This is, is it. A, is it a miniature version? Is it a tiny thing? Is this like a floor sitting plant? Like, like help me get my head around this. I, I just, I just, I'm not familiar. Yeah. So most of these are actually kind of the miniature versions. So they typically sell them in like a four to six inch pot, and they stand about right eight to twelve inches tall. Okay. So tiny. Yeah. Yeah. They're not as toxic as the ones that grow outside, because the ones that grow outside, the most toxic part is the nut or the fruit right. they make. And these, of course, don't mature enough to reach that point, nor do they have you know, one of each sex to make the fruit. Mm-hmm. So they certainly can still cause liver problems, but we don't see the severe death that we see with the versions that are outside. So we're mostly seeing pets eating the leaves, picking up the whole thing like a like a you know like a like a big chew toy. Uh, is is that I mean kind of mouthing of the plant? Okay, yeah. so, so not super severe. What what types of what type of clinical presentation is this going to have? Again, I'm familiar with the sago palm, the big outdoor. I was always afraid of the fruit is is really the scary part for me. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so what 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 is the pet owner when they when the pet owner calls me? What are they going to tell me they're seeing? Sure, we could see vomiting sometimes with blood. Um, if it's been going on for, you know, a day or two, they may have decreased appetite. Um, they may be, anore- uh, excuse me, anorexic and, um, as we said, potentially bloody vomiting, lethargy. So they need to come in and see you. And okay. when you check their blood work, 
they've got issues with their liver. All right. So, um, so general maintenance on this, I mean, is just going to be sort of supportive liver care, um, lots of fluids, hospitalization? Yep. Fluids, monitor our liver values, uh, liver protectants, and um, time. What, um, so walk me through you, the use of liver protectants in case like this. How, uh, what do you, what, again, expectations you set for the pet owners? Sure. So with sacral palms, we typically use a um, combination product that includes both SAMI and Denimarin. So okay. SAMI and milk thistle, so Denimarin is the common trade name. And um, what that helps with is to provide um, glutathione, right? Okay. That helps the liver heal, and it also helps reduce the reactive oxygen species that occur when we have liver damage. Okay. And then how about how long do you usually tell people that they're going to be on these medications? So most of these guys are hospitalized for two to three days, and then we send them home on the medication for usually a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Okay. Cool. And then just continue to monitor liver values and then take them off when you're back to normal. Okay. Gang, I just want to jump in here real fast with a couple of quick announcements. Over at the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast, Stephanie Goss and I are talking about uh, letting go of the guilt. We've got a question from the mailbag for um, a young doctor who uh, needs some things to change in her practice, and she's asked about them changing, and she's asked that they change, and she's not seeing anything, and she's feeling like this is not what she was promised, but she's really struggling with guilt about just being like, hey, I'm out of here. How do you process through that? How do you know when it's time to leave? How do you know when it's time to push harder to get what you need? Uh, We break that down, so you can get that wherever you get podcasts. Uncharted Veterinary Podcast is coming out this week. Uh, Over on the Uncharted Learning side of the house, we have workshop this Saturday. So like two days from the day this podcast comes out, empowering your team to get positive and stay that way. That's October the 9th. It is a two-hour workshop. It is with the amazing Dr. Tracy Sands. I'll put links down below, but buddy, you better get on that fast because it is going to close. But if it closes and you're like, oh, I didn't make it. Hey, don't worry. It's not the end of the world. We have the Uncharted Culture Conference. It's October 21st through the 23rd. It is full day virtual conference. It is all about getting a beautiful, wonderful, happy, healthy place to work. And if your team is all about culture and you're like, Andy, we have a wonderful place to work. I'm saying, I'm just saying to you, we can go to the next level because this is all about culture. And the people who are going to be there are not people who generally have toxic cultures. They're going to be people who recognize the value in culture and love culture and love learning about culture. And so if you're already rocking and rolling, hey, we still got good stuff for you. Um, that's uh, that's going to be it for about now. And so I'm just going to let you guys go with that. I hope to see you at some of these events and I will talk to you soon. So, okay, that's you so far. Uh, the succulents, I, t- I totally saw succulents coming. Did not see uh, potted, potted, potted palms. Yeah. palms. Uh, anything else? So the other thing that we noticed during the pandemic is because we couldn't get together, right? I couldn't go to mom's house for her birthday. I would send her a bouquet. Okay. So unfortunately, that meant we saw a lot of cats getting into lilies. Okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can you review lily toxicity in cats? I know this is, this is a classic. I think it's always good to get a, a brush up on. Uh, what are we looking for? What are the what are the presenting complaints? And then what are, what are going to be our staples of, of therapy? Sure. So when we think about lilies and cats, they're highly toxic, right? Even cats that just have pollen on them, they're going to groom themselves off and become exposed and have kidney failure. Also, if they eat leaves or if they eat parts of the petal, they can get kidney failure. So typically 
after exposure, within about two to six hours, they start to vomit. And then they become lethargic. You may notice an increased thirst and urination. However, as the days go by, they stop producing urine, right? And they become anuric and they die. Time frame wise, we start to see our kidney values going up between about uh, 12 to 18 hours post-ingestion. Okay. 18 hours is kind of like this magic number. If we start to treat them in the first 18 hours, we have a good prognosis. If it's after 18 hours, our prognosis goes down. Okay. So treatment, most important part is fluids. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the toxin is, but we know that it causes um, death of the renal tubular cells. And then this debris kind of plugs up the tubules. So it's important that we keep up urine flow by using IV fluids. Okay. And that totally makes sense. Can you talk to me a little bit about the 18 hours versus clinical signs? The hardest cases for me with toxins are when the pet is not yet showing symptoms and I'm trying to convince the pet owner, no, this is serious. And they go, no, look at her. She looks great. And I'm like, you're not hearing me. This is going to be a problem. Uh, yeah, when we look at this at, at 18 hours, um, am I seeing clinical signs in the pet? Or I mean, are, are we having vomiting? I, I know it's sort of a, a progressive condition. Yeah. Talk, yeah. talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. In that first 18 hours, we've usually started to vomit by then. Okay. And um, we may also be showing some increased thirst and urination okay. and some lethargy. So, yeah, it's all about, you know, telling owners, okay, this is what we expect. This is what we need to prevent. And especially with lilies, you know, I always tell them we don't do kidney transplants in cats, yeah. um, at least not on a regular basis. So we need to prevent it. Otherwise, we may end up with a, a dead kitty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, um, how do you quantify the uh, plant toxins? Or, or, or do you even try? Do you just say... Uh, when the pet owner comes in and they're not showing any clinical signs and they're like, oh, we have lilies on our table and I know that that's bad. And I looked over and her nose was touching it. And I maybe she ate a petal or maybe it just didn't have a petal right there in that specific spot. I don't know. Um, yeah. Do you, do you even have those thoughts or are you just like, hey, look, uh, it's close enough that your cat's going to yeah. spend uh, the next 18 hours here on fluids and we're yeah. going to check and we'll be checking uh, renal values. Yes. So lilies are certainly that toxic that I would prophylactically start them on fluids before they show problems. Okay. Um, some of our other plants, we may wait until they show clinical signs, but lilies are not one of them. If there is a cat in the house and a lily in the house, I would treat them. Do you, okay, so lilies are a broad category, of course. You know, I, I tend yeah. to think specifically, I, for whatever reason, white lilies are in my mind. Um, are you just across the board, lilies, tiger lilies, you know, any of any type of lily that you would get from the florist, that's, that's, that's a straight trip to the IV fluid line? That is a great comment. So lily, common name for a lot of different flowers, right? right. So we're talking about members of the lilium family. So it is. It's tiger lily, Easter lily, um, those beautiful stargazer lilies that they use in bouquets or the pink with the little dots in them. Um, all of the Asiatic and Oriental lilies are lilium and are problematic. No, that's good to know. Yeah, I'd, I'd always 
I had always kind of assumed a lot of the Asian lilies were, were problematic. They just that's just not the generic lily that's in my mind. So that's right. that's good to know. I should say if you're thinking about something like peace lily or calla lily, those are considered to be toxic plants, but they're not kidney toxic in cats. It has to be yeah. a lily. Okay. Um, are there any mistakes that you see general practitioners making with some of these toxins? So if there was one thing you would say, look out for this, or this is a mistake that I see doctors make sometimes, uh, what would you point to? Right. So I think part of the issue is, you know, we have owners that look online or we look online and see, hey, this plant is toxic. Mm -hmm. And with dogs and cats, many times with toxic plants, they don't eat enough to cause problems. Right. Unlike grazing animals, right? Horses, cattle, they can certainly get themselves into severe trouble. So we probably see um, animals being overtreated uh, when they don't need to be. And we know that inducing vomiting or giving a dose of activated charcoal, it can have adverse effects, right? It's it's not benign therapy. Okay. I want to unpack that a little bit because that's that's really interesting to me. That that's kind of always been something I have looked at. And I, you know, I l- I have wrestled with, you know, the, uh, the, hey, I just want to get this checked out or I just, just calling, nothing's happening, but I did notice this, notice this. I, I am always wary of being a bit chicken little-ish of you have to come in and get this done and then nothing happens and the pet shows no clinical signs at any time mm-hmm. and the pet, I always, I always feel like that's a strain on the trust in our relationship with the pet owner. Um, and at the same time, I also do not want to regret not being aggressive enough. So I really do feel pinched sometimes between not wanting to, um, not blowing this off and also not going overboard to the point that the pet owner kind of looks sideways at me like, well, you, did we really need to do this? Um, yeah, can you help me with that? Are, are there general guidelines or, or just or thoughts that you sort of have when you're in practice uh, that help guide you in that situation? Right. So I would say that it's going to kind of depend more talking about plants, right? It's going to depend upon what type of plant. If it's a sago palm or if it's a lily and a cat, you probably can't overtreat them. Right, okay. okay. But with our others, a lot of times, you know, things like um, rhododendrons and azaleas. Right. If you look in the tox books, it talks about, you know, severe cardiac signs and yeah. death. Dogs and cats, typically they just have mild stomach upset because they don't eat enough to be a problem. So in those cases, what I usually recommend is for the owner, if they're going to be home to watch them, right? You're going to watch them for, you know, four to six hours. If there's any vomiting, right? Then we're going to go see the veterinarian. Because we're going to see vomiting before we see any of the cardiac signs. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that example of rhododendrons and azaleas. That's exactly what I'm talking about from uh, from South Carolina. So I've always lived in practice on the East Coast, and uh, there's a whole lot of people that have azaleas as the fixture focal point of their landscaping. And for one week out of the year, their house looks amazing because it's beautiful azalea, and then it's just green plant. They're just they're they're super super common. And the number of times that an anxious pet owner. It's generally the the, the hyper aware pet owner. Like this is, their, this is their first dog, you know what I mean? And they're like, I looked. I, he was chewing on a on a branch outside, and I looked it up, and it's an azalea branch. And now I'm very worried. And when you look at it, I, it looks really severe. And I go, I have never seen a pet blow up 
from azalea or rhododendron and i've always been around them and i've seen those goofy dogs carry carry those branches around with and just i just have never seen it go sideways and so i've always wondered about about exactly that yeah so dogs and cats not a big problem but if you're one of these people that has you know goats or you know horses or you know cattle sheep it's definitely a problem well, Tina, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Uh, where can people learn more about you? Where, how can they uh, interface with the uh, ASPCA? Sure, ASPCA.org. And we actually have a nice plant list of both toxic and non-toxic plants divided by toxic for dogs, toxic for cats, and toxic for horses. That's awesome. Thanks so much. Welcome. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I I like these. How do you treat that episodes? I just, I think they're really useful. I think they make me a better doctor. I hope that they make you guys better doctors and technicians. Uh, If there are topics you wish that I would cover, shoot me an email. The email address is podcast at drandyrourke.com. That's podcast at drandyrourke.com. And I will talk to you guys next week. 